Welcome to Career Tools. This week, we talk about choosing a company to work for. Chapter 7, Questions. Here we go. Folks, if you're going to choose a company to work for, you're probably going to have to interview in order to do it. We encourage you to take advantage of our interviewing series. It's extremely popular. It's uh, 15 paid casts and another 10 or 15 casts that are f- available for free. It tells you everything you need to know on how to master interviewing in the weeds the way we always are. So we've been talking about choosing companies for a while. We've talked about compensation and their values and stability. We got more positive surprise feedback about the reputation one. And I think I said in that cast that that was the biggest one for me. But we haven't talked about everything. So what else are we going to talk about? This cast, we're going to talk about you and what you want. So all the others have more or less been about the company, but this is this is the one about you. So... We're going to ask four more questions. Is there anything else that's important to me? What have I liked or disliked about jobs in the past? What conditions bring out the best in me? And what experience or relationships do I want to cultivate? You know, it's interesting. that This is uh, very evocative of Peter Drucker, where Peter Drucker says, we have to know ourselves. I just read an article on the plane in here last night about self-management. I, I, I got a book that I do recommend, uh, Harvard Business Review's book of the uh, how, how to manage yourself. And one of the articles is about, as you might imagine, Peter Drucker. And he talks about knowing one's strengths and weaknesses and knowing what one's abilities are so that one's abilities can serve society. And what conditions bring out the best of me and what experiences do I want to cultivate? Hugely important. Now, Drucker would also add another one, which is, what should I be doing? Meaning, if you know yourself well, there's a best place for your skills to serve society the best. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people who mistakenly believe that the theory of capitalism is is about incentives, and it's not. It's about service uh, and about entrepreneurial energy. And Drucker says, we all ought to be serving society as much as possible. If we want to grow people out of poverty, if we want to grow our security and um, our quality of life and our standard of living, uh, all of us have to be serving as much as we possibly can. And these are the kind of questions that will get to it. So, okay, the first one, is there anything else that's important to me? Yeah. So there's all sorts of other things that are important to people in jobs. In the last 20 years, every everybody I've heard says, I want to work from home. Everything, every question I see on the internet, there's this, this holy grail of working at home. And it has a lot of upsides. It and does. It has some downsides too. And if you're not the right personality. Yeah. Are you thinking that, that people are just saying it because it's, you know, certainly people, some people don't like commuting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I suspect that a lot of people are saying it because it seems popular and it gives them a great deal of freedom. But in fact, there are people who ought not to. Is is that your point about? about yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. And it's not it's not the best place for me to work. Even though I do work from home, is I have to discipline myself yes. because it's not the best place for me. I'd be better in an office. Yeah. But there's other things about this job that clearly I want to do, and I make myself disciplined to work at home. And so that's the kind of questions we're asking here. Is like, okay. Is working from home so important to me that I'm going to weight that above everything else? Or are there other things in the job that working from home or working from an office, whatever they offer, will be fine? And we're not saying it's good or bad. 
We're just saying that's a question that you ought to be asking yourself. And if it's important for you for you to work at home, um, then that ought to be one of your criteria. Um, I, I've told many people who have mentioned that and that and that I knew and I thought privately um, perhaps weren't right for it or they wanted to get promoted. And I thought that's not a good way to get promoted to work from home unless you're doing a great deal of traveling. Um, I said, why don't you try to work it out that you do two days at home a week and see how that works. And oh, probably only 30% of the people have followed my guidance, but everybody who did said, oh, that's not for me. Yeah. And again, folks, I'm sorry. Let, let, let me be clear. Wendy, Wendy brought up a great one, and I, I'm probably talking too much about working from home, and that's not what this cast is about. It's about you knowing what's important to you. Uh, but this brings up a good point. You ought to be coming to our forums um, if I know you, if Wendy knows you, you ought to be asking us about what might be good for you, about what else is important to you. And if you think that X is important to you, ask your friends and family, ask other people who, whom you trust to make sure that you're not being interested in something that may in fact be counterindicative for your career or for what you want, what your long-term goals are, whatever those might be. Okay. Okay. Another one that's popular is flexibility so people want to be able to work flexibly because of children or because of elderly relatives or they want to be able to bank time over time so that they get longer vacations i have a friend who does that and you know not every job or company can allow that you can't have right. a receptionist that doesn't eight till 4 a.m shift because nobody's coming to reception then in most companies right receptionists in general have to work nine to five so if flexibility is really important to you then you need to look for jobs that specifically say flexible or you need to think about job titles and think okay would it be possible to to do this job flexibly and again it's about weighing up what's important to you and what's not yeah and again i think this is another case where asking some other people you may not want to ask your boss you may want to ask people with more experience than you. Um, and I admit, um, I'm a little bit of a, uh, a scold here in the sense that often people ask for these things that give them more flexibility and more time at home or whatever. And I say, okay, that's generally going to be incompatible with the kind of career you want. You say you want to be a senior vice president and you want to work from home two days a week. That's just unlikely. It's not impossible, but it makes the, the keyhole you have to jump through much, much smaller. And both of those things are fine. And many, many people discover that when they look back, their goal to be a senior vice president was a stupid goal. Mm -hmm. We don't care whether you want to be a senior vice president or not. We do think you ought to be serving society to the fullest of your abilities in whatever way that is. Now, you may choose not to serve society fully at your paid work and do a great deal of volunteer work or, or religious work or spiritual work. That's great. Um, but just understand how the things you want from your job and the things you want from your career, how they interact and how they may in fact be, again, counterindicative. Okay, we've got one more example under things that are important to me. So um, often new graduates, people that have just come out of university want a stratospheric start to their career. They think, okay, I'm gonna go really fast now while I'm single, while I have no children, while I can do anything I want and then I'll slow down later. Yeah. Um, and so many graduates have chosen consulting or the law, both of which are really high paying and you move fast, you get a lot of experience very quickly, you work really hard for it. And if you're willing to do those, you know, 80 hour weeks, those overnights, 
those weeks and weeks and weeks away from home and know that you're doing that in the be in the long term benefit to the long term benefit then that's fine but don't do it just because you think it's glamorous because you'll flake in the first month <laughs> good for those people who aren't recent graduates the next point you have is what have i liked or disliked about my jobs in the past yeah and again there's there's tons of things that we're going to give you a couple of um examples and probably you just want to sit down and when you've got some peace and quiet and half an hour to yourself and just think through all those jobs it probably takes some time you can't do it you can't think about these things while you're doing other things it's kind of concentrated thought um activity but some was there a role where you particularly liked the type of customer you were dealing with where there was a lot or a little paperwork depending on whether or not you like paperwork one where you had a lot of autonomy or one where your colleagues were really close and you all knew what everybody was doing one where you could leave the work on the desk at the end of the day and not think about it until the next morning or one where it consumed you 24 7 a job where you hardly ever saw the boss or one where your cube was next to his cube. One where the targets were really clear or one where you were fishing, venturing out into the blue, the blue ocean and uncharted territory. And again, none of those are good or bad. It's which one did you prefer or of some other thing, you know? Yeah. And don't have in your head that this job will be okay and then I'll turn it into what I want. <laughs> Generally, jobs aren't that flexible. And even if your boss says, well, we can make that work, that generally doesn't work as well as people think. It's far better to find the job you want, and ideally that job within the career that gets you in the career that you want, and then take that. I hear people all the time say, well, I'm taking this. Well, it's like, it's, look, I, I remember very clearly a, a talk that Warren Buffett and... Um, Bill Gates gave at the University of Washington in Seattle years ago. And um, they were talking about happiness and careers and what they had done and so on. And Buffett said, look, don't take a job you hate in order to make money to save up to do the job that you love. He says, mm -hmm. I hear this from kids all the time. They hate their jobs. And um, I've said this, I think I've said this many times on the air, that, that what Buffett said is, he says, doing a job you hate for 10 years in order to save up for a job you love is a bit like saving up sex for old age. <laughs> that, is, that doesn't make any sense. And, and the way I said it is, look, if you're unhappy when you're 20 and your goal is to be happy when you're 30, you may never make it to 30. But even if you do, you will always have been unhappy when you were 20. It doesn't work. Now, that's not to say that we're suggesting the goal should be happiness. It's not. We believe the goal, for most people, ought to be service. And we find that a great deal of people's emotional and spiritual joy comes, out, in my experience, comes out of their belief that they're serving others well. You may not be that person, and if that's the case, that's okay. But there's a theme here of self-knowledge that ought to be catching you pretty obviously. If you don't know what you want, don't be surprised if you don't get it. Absolutely. Okay. And when you're thinking about these things, try and think about the work, the activity that you did, rather than a lot about the team that you worked with. Because in my experience, whenever I've lo left a job, it's never been the work that I've missed. It's always been the people. 
but the people can't come with you. You can't say, okay, I'll go to this new job and, and I won't think about the work because it will be the people I miss and so I'll just, I'll just think about my old team. Well, your old team's not going to be there and you're never going to have the same relationship. You might develop it over time, right. but, but it's going to take time. So try not to think about the people. Think about the actual work and whether or not that made you satisfied or dissatisfied. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I often tell people that there are questions you ask, not while you're interviewing, but after you have an offer and you ask more than just the person who made you the offer about, you know, what work life is, is like and whether they eat together, um, those kinds of things, what they do for fun together and so on. And there are plenty of places to say, well, we really don't. We don't do things for fun together. I mean, I think everybody at Manager Tools gets along and yet we don't do things for fun together because we're all in different places. So if that was something that was important to somebody who came to work for us, we couldn't satisfy that. We would love to. I think if we all worked in the same office, we would, we'd probably go out to lunch or dinner one night a week, but that doesn't happen. And we'd talk about work all the time. All the time. <laughs> I was just thinking, you don't think about offsites as fun, but I guess they're not really. They're oh, work. no, no. I think the offsites that we do are fabulous fun, but that's work. Yeah. Now, we happen to choose to do them in places like Pebble Beach or outside and, and because I've learned, I'm over 50 years old, I've learned that being in a small, dank conference room doesn't improve the quality of your ideas and be happy while you're living for you're a long time dead. Um, and if, if I can spend $500,000 to significantly increase the aesthetic experience of, of an offsite where we're making decisions about the strategy of the company, gee whiz, why wouldn't I? There are some people who say, no, I have to save every penny on everything, and that's fine. That's a, just a different way of, of doing things. But we need to do a cast on that as part of the interviewing series, and we will at some point, about the questions to ask people after you have an offer to help you understand about the people. Because even though Wendy, guys, even though Wendy just said, don't think so much about the people, she was furthering her point about thinking about the work. That's not to say you don't ever think about the people. If you don't like any of the people you interviewed with, don't go there. No. Just don't. It won't work. And assume that. If you like them, okay, you saw their best 20% because they were interviewing, except for the one or two jerks who thinks being, who think that being a scowling person is somehow helpful to delivering good interviews, which is not. Okay, so the next question is, what conditions bring out the best in me? Well, for me, that's my back porch. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sunshine. I I got this question from two people, actually, an article about um, a gentleman with a disability who does motivational speeches, but because of his disability, he has a limited amount of energy for a day. And so his days are very carefully planned so that the conditions like his hotel room and where it is in comparison to the airport and who's going to take him to the airport and when he's going to eat and when he's going to go to the gym, all of those things are, are much more important in yeah. order for him to give his best. And Gretchen Rubin also talks about what conditions bring out the best in me. So when I read those two things, I really thought about them and thought there are some conditions where I'm better and there's places where I'm worse you know I, I like to have people around me who are stimulating who are excited by the same things that I am that brings out the best in me it might be different for everybody else so it's about people but it's also about office conditions and other things so you know programmers all say that they work best in their own office talking to no one in the middle of the night and we won't 
debate that. Right. But some of us work better with a small team and some of us work better with a large team. And some people work better in the eye of the storm and some people want calm predictability. And some of us want heads down in the weeds and some of us want a big whiteboard and lots of blue space. So think about not necessarily where you were happiest, but where you were most in flow, sort of most productive, where the, the days flew by the fastest. That's kind of a sign of the conditions being yeah. good for you. Yeah, and, and you know what, guys, don't feel bad if you're 20 to 25, 26, 27, and you, you're not certain you can remember this. Maybe you're 27 and you're thinking back, well, what did I like? Um, I, I have to say, when I read about self-knowledge, I shake my head and think, you know, there are times when I just don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm not as good at, at knowing that about myself at age, over age 50, 54, mm -hmm. 53. And so this is not, oh, I like that job. So therefore I want to recreate that job in my next job. It's not quite that easy. And if you struggle a little bit, you're not alone. It's not as if everybody around you has this magical self-knowledge and you're struggling. It's not. You are struggling because you haven't had enough experiences. That experience hasn't happened often enough to have been built into neural pathways and to have been catalyzed into a wisdom that helps you see things clearly. And I would say that even 15 years ago, when I was around 40, I mean, I, I told the story before. When I was 25, I thought I knew what I was doing. I really did. I had a tough job, and I was doing it to the best of my ability. When I was 30, I looked back at when I was 25 and thought, you didn't know a thing. <laughs> but, and then I said, and here's the, er the stupid arrogance of me, I said, but now that I'm 30, I got it down. And then five years later, I was like, oh, my gosh, you didn't know anything. <laughs> at 30 but now at 35 <laughs> i know it. something i did that every five years until i was 50 and when i was 50 i said man you thought you knew something at 45 you really didn't and now at 50 i know i know nothing <laughs> nothing i am a drop in the massive universe that we live in um, the only thing that i've ever really gotten right when it comes to self-knowledge is when i was 35 I had gained some weight, and I said to myself, dude, you're either halfway through your life or you're a third of the way through your life. And I decided I want two more. I wanted two more thirds and not one more half, um, and I got more fit. And, of course, now I'm not as fit as I could be. But, guys, don't feel that these are all questions that you should be able to snap your fingers and have the answers to. And if you have a spouse, you ought to be asking your spouse. I, I got to tell you guys, spouses are a huge advantage for so many people and so many high-performing people tend to underinvest in their families. We've done our best to tell you that family comes first. We have a long history of that in career tools and in manager tools, but it's okay to talk to your spouse. Uh, it really is to say, hey, what do you think? And be ready to be surprised a little bit that they see you a little bit differently. But don't see that surprise as a difference or a disagreement or a problem or a conflict. Just see it as new data that will help you know more about what conditions bring out the best in you. Yeah, and I think 50% of people don't do this. If you even get halfway to thinking, you know, if you get halfway to the factors or halfway to thinking about these questions when you're looking at jobs, then you're 100% further on than anybody else. Um, so you don't have to have all of the right answers to all of these questions. You just have to have thought about them and they have to be in your in your mind when you're thinking about jobs and 
and applying and interviewing and going through that process. Yeah, and I, I hate to be a downer, but but you're not going to be good at it when you're 25 or 26. If you are, then bless you. You're more wise and smarter than me. But you start now thinking about these things and you develop a habit of thinking about these things, especially when you do career changes or moves internally or externally. And you'll be good at it when it matters, when the decisions are big, when it's move to L.A. for a 50,000 increase or stay home because stay close to home because your wife's family is nearby and they're getting old. And both of those could be a good choice. But by the time you make that choice, when you're 45 or 50, you will have gone through this process four or five or six or seven times, and you'll feel confident about what you know about yourself and about your spouse and about your career and your abilities. The last question is, what experience or relationships do I want to cultivate? So I picked a couple of obvious examples just to help you understand what I meant by the question. So, for instance, if you want to get into politics, everybody knows that you need to volunteer to help some candidates campaign. You need to be in there doing things. You need an internship with your state legislators because it's a a high competition kind of area and so that you need the experience and you need to get do that for free for the same reason if you want to be a model then you volunteer for photographers and designers and and people you, you know for free in order to get a book because yeah. that's something you need in order to be a professional model in the same way for other jobs you also need certain experience or certain relationships so if you want to work at Rackspace you need to do like uh, you need to be able to do Linux Linux if you want to work for Lexus, you better be driving one when you turn up to your interview. You know, there's things that you need to do now in order to maybe this is a stepping stone job and you need to get this experience in order to get the job that, that is the next one for you. So when you change jobs, you're not just thinking about the next the one you're changing into. You're thinking about the one after that. One of the ways to get into a company you want to work for is to work for one of their suppliers or one of their customers and you're going to know, okay, I want to work for company X and they are supplied by company A, B, C and D. And C has the kind of compensation, the kind of values, the kind of environment that I want to work in. So I'm going to get into C and I'm going to work there for three years and then I will get into company, whatever I called it, X, which is my desired company. Yeah. I have to tell you the relationships piece is a big one. The more you think about relationships, particularly early in your career, guys, the better off the latter half of your career will be. Um, Probably my biggest professional mistake was failing to capitalize on the relationships I had when I graduated from the academy. Now, I could forgive myself or I could justify it by saying we didn't have email, we didn't have cell phones back then, but that's dumb. Um, I could have done a better job of staying in touch. I'm in better touch now, but not as good as I could be. Don't make the mistakes that I made. Mike would tell you the exact same thing. And relationships matter. And the size of your Rolodex matters. And the opportunities you'll have for the rest of your career, I think there's got to be some calculus formula that connects the number of relationships you have and whether or not they're warm with the number of opportunities that are presented to you in the course of your career. And more opportunities can't be a bad thing. You only can choose one, but having more to choose from helps you understand better why you might want something. And again, this cast is all about knowing yourself better. And we've tried to give you some questions to help you think about those things that might matter to you that aren't normally covered, um, but that are legitimate for you. Because if you make a poor choice, 
that's going to affect your career and it's going to affect your family and you as well. Do you want to wrap us up? Yeah. So the questions were, is there anything else that's important to me? What have I liked or disliked about jobs in the past? What conditions bring out the best in me? And what experience or relationships do I want to cultivate? And we see so many emails that say, I hate my job, I hate my boss, I I hate my commute, I hate the people I work with. And if you do all this work up front, then you can avoid that situation. Yep. It's it's really exciting to be in the in the um, interview stage and juggling offers and thinking, okay, if I can change this, then that one will work and that one's loads of money, but it's this, but I can change it. Lots of people yeah. think oh they can change gosh. it. I call oh this the boyfriend God. rule. You don't go for, for a boyfriend and think I can change him. Yeah. You find the one that you like yeah. and who is already perfect and then you go out with that one. Yeah. And it's better to get one offer from a company that really fits you. This will always be known as the boyfriend cast. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. Bye, everyone. That's it, everybody. Thanks for listening this week. Come back next week. See you then. <laughs>